Well, it's good to see everybody here this morning. It is good to have everybody here. Uh, I've been preaching on, uh, last Sunday I started on One Nation Under God, and it's kind of heading towards uh, a little thing we call the election here uh, that happens every four years. Anybody hear about an election or something going on? There's a little something going on. And so uh, I thought uh, leading up to the election, what we would do is we would talk about what can we do as Christians. I believe our country, I believe everybody would agree with me, our country is at a major crossroads. There's never been more divisiveness, polarization of our country. And so I wanted to preach to you about what can we do uh, to help our nation, what can we do as we uh, head towards the election. And uh, this is not really, this is not a political message. This is a responsibility message. What, what is our responsibility? What part do we play? And what should we do? before the election and what is our role after the election okay and so uh what i've been wanting to do is we've been uh, each of these kind of come from a piece of uh the pledge of allegiance so we kind of been asking everybody if you would stand one more time with me i promise i'll let you sit after this but the american flag is over there in the corner so if you would uh just face the uh, american flag and uh, say the pledge of allegiance with me if you would i pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Play ball. Amen. No. Uh, that's normally what you're used to hearing. Uh, so, no, uh, you can be seated though. Uh, so, today I'm going to talk about one nation under God, and this is part two. And uh, there is a line in there that says, with liberty and justice for all. With liberty and justice for all. So now, I'm going to take two biblical words and put with liberty and justice. Uh, liberty and justice, so the, the biblical words I'm going to use for liberty is grace. It's really the same thing, freedom. And uh, then for uh, justice, uh, we're going to use the word truth. So grace and truth. Uh, grace is uh, freedom. It is freedom in Christ when we're talking biblically. And then truth is the law. It's the law of God's word. It is the truth of God's word. How many of you believe that God's word is unequivocally the truth? You need to believe that. Amen. Uh, you need to believe that God's word is unequivocally his word, his thoughts, his heart. And uh, that is what we stand on. Amen. Uh, I can give you the gospel all day long, but if you say to me, I don't believe the Bible's true, uh, then you and I really don't have any more to talk about because the gospel, everything I believe, it's based on the word of God and the truth of God's word. Amen. And so many people believe in relative truth these days. Anybody know what relative truth is? Relative truth is, says this, basically, that there are no absolute truths. Basically, what's truth for you, it may not be truth for me. And so everybody just live your own life, however you're comfortable, whatever makes you comfortable, and that's your truth. Uh, can I tell you, that's a bag of baloney. Amen? Uh, I don't know how to be any more clear about it. That's a bag of baloney. There are absolute truths. God said, my word shall be the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his word is absolute truth. Amen? If you don't have absolute truth, you don't have anything to stand on. That would be almost like me saying, uh, well, you know, there really aren't any laws in our land. Whatever you feel like's legal for you, you just do that. That's comfortable. 
All right. And there really are no legal laws and you can go out and you can murder somebody. But if you had a real justifiable reason in your mind, then it's OK. You know, or go out here and you come, you know, go over there to Brother Martin's house and steal all his stuff. As long as you felt like you deserved his stuff, then it's OK. That, that's how ridiculous it is. There is absolute law and we must live by the law land. There is absolute truth. It is the truth of God's word. And you and I, the law is there for a reason. Now, here's the thing. Jesus came to set you free. All right. So when we say grace, we think of Jesus. And he came and he spilled his blood. But he said this, and this is right out of Jesus' mouth. I didn't come to do away with the law. The law is there for a reason. The law is good. The law is to show you where sin is. Amen? And so it's like the fence line. And we talked last week about, you know, I let my dogs out, and they love to go roam around in the backyard. But if I were to leave the gate open, they love to go chase cars in the road. That's not a good thing for the dogs to do, is there? That fence line is there for their safety. It's because I know what's best for the dogs. I want to protect the dogs. And so God's law is there for your safety and your protection. God did not come and set up the law to ruin your fun. That's what a lot of people think. Oh, God's just got a bunch of do's and don'ts, and he just wants to ruin all my fun. That is not the purpose. God says there is a way to live, and it is protection for you. It is a blessing for you. Your life will be much more blessed if you live within the lines of that law. Amen? So we're going to talk about that today. I've got two scriptures to start with. The first one is John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. All right? It says this. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And verse 5 is kind of the key on what we're saying today. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Did you know that our world is full of darkness. But I got good news. Jesus called himself the light of what? The light of the world. So this verse says there is a darkness out there. The end, there is Satan is real. Satan wants to steal, kill and destroy from you. Satan has a lot of power on the earth. But God says that in the darkness there is a light that shines. And his name is Jesus. And you and I should be sharing with the world about the light. And here's the good news. The darker things get, the brighter the light becomes, right? You ever go into a very dark room and you flip that flashlight on? And that flashlight seems really, really bright. Now, out in the lit up room, it didn't seem that bright. But the darker the room, the brighter the light is, all right? And so will things get darker? We're going to talk a little bit about things to come and prophecy. Yes, I've read the back of the book. Things get worse before they get better. Things get darker. But we said last week, with persecution, always comes growth. The church always experiences revival when persecution shows up. So, uh, but guess what, Christians? You and I need to be ready. Amen? Read Revelation. It gets worse before it gets better. And you and I need to understand, we need to be ready. And we you don't make the decision of where you're going to stand uh, when it happens, you make the decision where you're going to stand right now today so that you can be sure to stand firm when the time comes, okay? All right, the second scripture is uh, John chapter 1, verse 14. And it says this, And the Word became flesh. Who's that talking about? Jesus Christ, right. And He dwelt among us. 
and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Y'all are a little sleepy this morning. Full of what? Thank you. Amen. Full of grace and truth. All right. So uh, freedom, uh, full of uh, liberty and justice. All right. So uh, and you'll remember Jesus said that uh, later on that true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. And all of life is really about balance. But we have a tendency in our country uh, and in our lives as Christians to go to one extreme or the other. You'll find that in Christianity, people are either all about the spirit and the freedom and the grace, and they're all about just, whoo, if you really love Jesus, you're going to shout, you're going to, you know, you're going to jump a pew, you're going to do all, and it's all about the, uh, I call them the holy goosebumps, amen? And so if you don't get the holy goosebumps, I got to go find me a church where I can get the holy goosebumps. It's all about the spirit to them. And then you got some people who, Bless God, you shouldn't show any emotion. It's all about the truth of God's word. We need to be standing on the firm truth. Don't you dare show any emotion. That might lead people to uh, be too. And we're almost like robots. Amen. And uh, that's, that's a bad thing too. And we're going to see in a minute that if you have rules without grace, you have the law without grace, people rebel to it. Amen. So we're going to talk more about that. All right. For years, most people in our country embrace Jesus. For years... America was called, the United States of America was called a Christian nation. Now I have bad news. How many of you think that the United States of America can call itself a Christian nation anymore? I don't think we can. Uh, to call yourself a Christian nation, uh, it kind of needs to be everybody on the same page, that we, our country was founded on Christian principles, that it was founded uh, by Christian people, and it was uh, founded on Christianity and Christian principles, and uh, that has to be the majority feels that way. I guarantee you today, we are not in the majority, uh, Christians. We are in the minority, and so many things have shifted, and it's all happened, really, I think, in just a, the last few decades, amen, and so uh, I don't think you can any longer call the United States of America a Christian nation, all right? Go ahead and put the next slide up. Faith in Christ has moved from the center to the fringe. It's moved from being something positive into being seen as a threat to some. Now, if you think I'm lying, all you got to do is turn on the news and look, a little, look at a little bit of this election, right? Because anything that has the label Christianity, anything that has the label with Christianity or church or religion, you are a hater, you're a bigot, you're a racist. Anything to do with Jesus it says, well, you're narrow-minded, and so you're closing off people. And that's the way many people see Christians today. And the reason we will have increasing persecution towards churches and believers is because they see us as haters. They see us as racist and bigots, and they see us as people who are closed-minded and who are, uh, don't want people to live in the freedom of who they really are. Listen, it's the grace of God. Everybody in here, what do you and I deserve? We all deserve hell, don't we? It is the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. But guess what? The truth of God's word is this. There are a lot of things that are outside the law of God that you and I do, and we've got to be forgiven. And guess what? We need to call them exactly what it is, sin. 
When you sin in your life, don't tell God, well, God, you know, I did this little mistake over here. And, uh, you know, but it, it really wasn't that big of a deal. No. You know what true repentance is? Repentance is when you agree with God exactly what your sin is. Your sin is dirty. Your sin is stinking. Your sin uh, is an abomination to God. It, uh, it, is, it breaks the heart of God. And so when you sin, when you and I sin, we need to call sin just what it is. Lord, forgive me for I am a sinner. And I am in need of the grace of God. Amen. All right. Um, so, um, if you call yourself a Christian, now listen, even the word Christian doesn't carry the weight it used to. Because, especially here in the Bible Belt, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Anybody know what I, what I mean when I say, you know, in East Texas, we got a lot of good old boy religion. You know what that is? If you lived in East Texas any amount of time, you know what I'm talking about. It's, well, I'm just a good old boy. No, nah, I don't ever go to church. Yeah, I know who Jesus is. Yeah, uh, you know, me and him, we got an understanding. with. I got the man upstairs, and we understand each other. He don't bother me. I don't bother him. And, uh, you know, but, you know, I, by golly, I live in East Texas. Uh, you know, I'm a Christian because I ain't no, uh, you know, I'm not worshiping anybody else. And so, therefore, by all rights, I'm a Christian. No. No. Christian is somebody who takes on the name of Christ. It's somebody who says, I identify with Christ, and he is the Lord of my life. That's the difference between just being a, a good old boy. Uh, now, I'm here to tell you, there are many people in East Texas in the Bible Belt that have a good old boy religion philosophy that says, I'm okay. I'm okay. I live in East Texas. My daddy was a deacon down here at the First Baptist Church. Well, that's all well and good for your daddy. It has nothing to do with you. Amen. One day you will stand before Christ, and he will not ask, were any of your uncles or your grandpas a deacon in the church? That will not be a question on the survey. There will be one question on the survey, and it will be this, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? What did you do with him? Amen? So we need to understand uh, that all roads do not lead to heaven. How many of you believe the Bible is God's word? then you cannot believe. If you just raise your hand, you cannot believe all roads lead to heaven. That's not in the Bible. All roads do not lead to heaven. In fact, the Bible says that it's a very narrow road that leads to heaven. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the road. Amen? So you and I need to understand all roads do not lead, lead to heaven, and we need to be telling people what is the right road to heaven. Now, does that make me uh, narrow-minded? Well, if that's the way you want to say it. Was Jesus narrow-minded? If that's the way you look at it, well, then maybe he was. But guess what? He said, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, that means Jesus was one of two things. He was either a, he was either a complete nut job who was a total liar and a fake, or he was exactly who he said he was. And you have to decide. I don't care what you decide. Uh, I mean, I'd love for you to go to heaven with me, and I'd love for you to accept Jesus, but guess what? The truth is the truth, and it doesn't matter. You know, I, the thing about it is Jesus said, I, I'd come, and he would preach the truth, and then what would Jesus do? He would dust the, the dust off of his hands and his feet, and he would move on. His message was this, come and follow me, and I'll show you the abundant life. I'll show you eternal life. And then he would turn around and walk away. 
and you eat, and you at that point either made the decision, I'm going to follow this guy, or I don't believe any of that. Didn't matter to Jesus. He just preached the truth, turned around. If you wanted to follow him, you followed him. All right? So here's the fact of the matter. Uh, the truth is the truth. There is absolute truth. The word of God is absolute truth. But is that going to make you an enemy to the world? Yes. It will make you an enemy to the world, especially the culture in which we live in today. All right? Uh, so, um, again, I already said it. Uh, you can put the next one up. As the world grows darker, the light gets brighter. All right? Uh, but here's the, here's the difference. Jesus didn't tell us to hide from the world, but he told us to go into the world and to make disciples. You don't run from culture. God has called us to influence culture. All right, so God didn't call us to run away and run and, and be all scared and say, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Oh, my gosh, the world's getting worse. Let's all run away and let's all hide in a cave somewhere. Now, that's, unfortunately, that's what I see happening with a lot of Christians. Oh, my gosh. You know, if the election doesn't go the way we are, we want it to go. If things don't go the way, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and uh, everything's going to be. Listen, I don't know which way it's going to go. And uh, that's not for me to say one way or the other. Uh, we need to be praying, God, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But regardless of the way that it goes, uh, the fact of the matter is he's still on his throne. Amen. And you and I, if, if our person that we want to get in the White House doesn't get in the White House, that doesn't mean we go hide in a cave somewhere and run, run away from everybody because we're going to face a little bit of persecution. It means, listen, the world is becoming darker. That just means the light needs to get brighter. And we don't need to run from culture. We need to run towards culture, and we need to influence it and change it. All right? Listen, do you think that Jesus uh, and the Apostle Paul lived in a Jesus-friendly society? They did not. Everybody, even after Jesus was gone... Paul went around preaching the gospel, and they did not take kindly to it. It was not a popular message then. It's not a popular message now. He was not in a, a, a Jesus-friendly culture. Now, he was in a very religious culture, but he was not in a Jesus-friendly culture. He was in prison. They beat him half to death. They threatened to cut his head off. They would throw him out of the city, tell him to quit, quit preaching, and Paul just kept on going and kept on going. And Paul said, I'm just going to keep on going. He said, my job is to be a light in the darkness. So it's not our job, no matter what happens, to go hide somewhere. In fact, what should happen is the worse things get, you and I need to get bolder and bolder and bolder. Amen? All right. So um, how do we faithfully live for Jesus in a post-Christian culture, in a post-Christian world? Uh, anybody thought about, this is a term that you may not be familiar with, a post-Christian world. You know what a post-Christian world means? It means this. It used to be, uh, if you asked people if they were a Christian, um, then they would either say yes or no. There was kind of a no in between. Uh, now you ask people um, if they're a Christian, and many will say no, and uh, they're not shy about it. In fact, they're quite proud of it that they're not a Christian. And they will tell you why Christianity is wrong. And they will be very in your face about it. All right? That's the difference. We live in a post-Christian world where being a Christian and Christianity is not seen as a positive thing. It's seen as a negative thing. And guess what? We're in that 
point today. We are in a post-Christian culture. People, when you say you're a Christian, it's not a thing of, oh, well, you're a Christian. Well, you know, that's, that's all good for you. Uh, now it's gotten to the point where, oh, you're a Christian. You're one of those haters. You're one of those people who's narrow-minded. You're one of those people who, uh, you know, just uh, wants to flaunt that Jesus stuff. It's seen as a negative, all right? Uh, all right, we should live with grace and truth. Uh, the next scripture, uh, we've already read it, but uh, it talked about it in 114. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, all right? One of the biggest challenges uh, that we face is not leaning too far one way or the other. Now, here's what happens. If you are a big stand on the truth and you're all about the truth with no grace, here's what you say. You're a sinner. You're a dirty, rotten, stinging sinner, and you're going to bust hell wide open. You better turn or burn. All right. Anybody here ever known that? A little bit of hellfire brimstone? Amen. That's truth without grace. Is that the truth from the Word of God? Sure. Sure it is. Yes. Without a doubt. Unequivocally. But guess what? You got to balance it out. Grace and truth. All right. Yes. Is it the truth? I'm going to hell? Yes. Is it the truth I'm going there without Jesus? Yes. Is it the truth that I'm a dirty, rotten, scummy sinner? Yes. All right? But that's all truth with no grace. Then you can lean too far the other side. And here's what we have a lot of today. Oh, it's grace. It's all grace. It's all under the blood. Just live like you want to. It's all under the blood. Um, I'm okay. You're okay. God's okay with us. I'm a good old boy. Uh, Jesus just wants you to be happy. All roads lead to heaven, and as long as you're happy, God's happy. I don't know what Bible you're reading. That ain't in there. Amen? That's too much grace. That's all grace with no truth. All right? So what we have a tendency to do, we, we tend to either go completely to one direction or the other. All right? But God says we are to live in his truth. All right? Let's look at a couple of things. Truth without grace leads to rules and rebellion. Truth without grace leads to rules and rebellion. Rules are what we would call legalism. Anybody here ever known anybody living in legalism? Um, bless God, you better not smoke, cuss, or chew, or go with girls that do, amen? Because uh, you're going to go straight to hell. Uh, you know, if, uh, it will send you straight to hell. Uh, and uh, it was just all about the rules, and it was about checking the boxes. And if you didn't check all the boxes right, then God was not happy with you. God is not happy with you if you break his rules. Uh, what happens when you have all rules with no love and no grace? It's going to lead to rebellion. I've seen many a teenager do it. I've seen many ch uh, children do it to their parents because the parents just put the hammer down and all they show is the hammer with no love, no grace, and truth. All that does is push people away and it makes them rebel. Amen. Uh, so you've got to be careful uh, to uh, put too much, uh, too much of the truth with no grace. Then the second part of that is grace without truth. Um, grace without truth leads to do whatever and believe whatever. All right? Do whatever and believe whatever. In other words, it's a license to sin. You can do whatever you want. It's all under the blood. Now, unfortunately, I know a lot of Christians like this. They still continue to live and do some of the same things and uh, do some of the same sins, have some of the same addictions, uh, have some of the same stuff, and they think God's okay with it. They think God is 
uh, it's all right. It's all under the blood. And God, me and God have an understanding. And I can just continue to live the way I want to live. And it's all under the blood. What does that end up doing? That ends up dragging the grace of God through the mud. Amen. And so uh, we've got to understand it's not a license to do whatever you want. Uh, believe whatever and do whatever is relativism. There is no single objective truth. All right. So here's what I'm here to tell you today. And then I'll wrap this up. Here's what a lot of people believe and maybe a lot of people in this room. As long as you're happy, that's all that matters. Jesus just wants you to be happy. Did you know that everybody in here is a Christian? God has one uh, purpose for your life, main purpose. And that main purpose is that God's name would be glorified. Now, when you live any way you want to and you live like the devil in front of the world, does that bring glory and honor to God? No. It's not about your happiness. It's about your life and your name bringing glory to the name of God. Amen. Uh, as long as you're sincere, then it doesn't matter what you believe. As long as you're sincere in what you believe, then you can believe whatever you want to. Are you Muslim? That's okay. That's okay. As long as you're sincere in that, you're going to go to heaven. Oh, you're a Buddhist? Are you, are you sincere about that? You really believe that? You're good. You're going to heaven. You're an atheist? Oh, that's okay. God understands why you don't believe in him. That's okay. It's all roads lead to heaven. We're all good. You're all going to get there. That is not true. That is not in the word of God. And then the last one is probably a big one because a lot of people think this. Well, as long as I don't hurt anyone, I can sin. I can do whatever I want to. I can live whatever lifestyle I want to as long as I'm not hurting anybody else. Now, I want to burst your bubble right here because sin has a way. Any sin in your life, whether you think it does or not, it's going to hurt other people. It affects your witness. It affects your relationship with your family. It affects everybody who's watching your life. So guess what? Uh, it's not as long as you don't hurt anyone. Sin always hurts you, and it always hurts those closest to you. All right? Don't fool yourself. That's a lie of the enemy. That it, well, as long as I don't hurt anyone. And there's a lot of people today living in their sin and thinking, well, I can just live in my sin as long as I'm not hurting anybody else. And it always does. It's a lie that it won't. Okay? All right. Grace and truth. Now, you'll notice in that scripture that grace and truth, grace came first. Grace and truth. And I believe that's what you and I need to do. We need to lead with grace. All right? If we're going to reach people, uh, we need to reach people. Our message cannot be change your behavior, change everything you do, stop cussing, stop smoking, stop doing all those things, and get all your life, get cleaned up on the outside and then you can come in the doors and be one of us. That's called country club Christianity. If I tell you, you've got to get everything in your life straight before you come in these doors, guess what? There ain't going to be nobody in here. Because in reality, nobody's going to get all their life straightened out. Now, there are more socially acceptable sins. Now, if I smoke a cigarette, you can smell it on me. If I gossip, you can't smell it on me. Are they both sins? Are they both going to send you? Are they part of what sins is to hell? Yeah. But guess what? One's more socially acceptable than the other, all right? But guess what? Nobody in here is going to get all your act together, all right? So if, if we want to come across as holier than thou and say, oh, you got to clean up out there first. got to get all your stuff together first. And then when you look all nice and clean on the outside, then you can come in here and be part of our country club. 
That should not be our message because that's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. They said, we're perfect. We're holy. Look at us. And when you get to where you're almost as good as us, then you maybe can come in and be part of us. And Jesus called them snakes, vipers, called them dead man's bones. He did not have much good to say for them. All right? So our message isn't change your behavior, change your outside, then you can come be one of us. Here's what our message should be. Our message should be come follow Jesus and let him lead you to a changed life. And we in here, a bunch of sinners saved by grace, a bunch of dirty, rotten, stinking sinners saved by grace, we'll let you come in and be our dirty, rotten, stinking sinner with us and let Jesus help you get your life right just like he's helping us get our life right. And guess what? If you think you've arrived, you haven't even started the journey. Christian, if you think you've arrived, you haven't even started the journey. Because one of the worst sins mentioned is self-righteousness and being holier than thou. Amen? And so sometimes we can get very self-righteous and not even realize that's a sin we're committing. All right? But we need to understand, our message to all of Chapel Hill, all of Tyler, and everything in between should be this. We just want to be one sinner who's telling another sinner about the love of Jesus. Come in here and let Jesus change you from the inside out. Can I tell you this today? The only way that you will change your life is to come in and surrender to Jesus and let him clean you up from the inside out. You can try to. I've tried it. You can try to clean yourself up from the outside in first, and it doesn't work that way. You're going to fail. You're going to fail miserably. You may make yourself look real uh, clean-cut and all-American on the outside, but if you're still full of sin and it's unforgiven sin and it's not covered in the blood of Jesus, then it don't matter how good you look on the outside. Amen? So please, come to the Lord Jesus. And I would tell you this, as we go out and we invite people, don't tell people, well, you're a, you're a sinner. You need to turn to burn. You need to come in here with all these other Christians who have their act together and get yourself cleaned up. That's not the message. The message is, here's a bunch of messed up people in this room. Can I get an amen? Here's a bunch of messed up people in this room who are trying to let the blood of Jesus change them. Why don't you come in and be a part of us and let the blood of Jesus change you too? Amen. That is the message, all right? Uh, if you would, bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you today, maybe you don't know the grace and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I would tell you today, he loves you unequivocally, and he wants you to come to him. And today, I would implore you, I would beg of you, don't wait another day. Don't wait to get yourself cleaned up on the outside. It'll never happen. Just surrender to him today and say, Lord, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I can't straighten my own life out. I need you, Jesus. So if that's your that's where you're at today if you would say mark i'm not sure where i'm at spiritually i'm not sure if i were to die if i'd go to heaven i'm not sure where i'm at spiritually then i'm going to give you an opportunity because the bible says that jesus is as close as a prayer away all we have to do is surrender our life to him so i want to invite you today if that's you and you would say I, i'm really not sure where i'm at in my relationship with the lord just pray this prayer in your heart and your mind and mean it from your heart and your mind say dear jesus I admit that I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. 
And Lord, right now, the best way I know how, I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins and save me from myself. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You prayed that prayer today for the first time or as a prayer of recommitment, recommitting yourself to the Lord. Would you just lift up a hand? Anyone in the room? All right. By that testimony, everybody in the room knows the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Now, how many of you would say today, Brother Mark, uh, I need to prepare myself better. I need, to, uh, I need to take a stand on the truth, and I need to fill it with grace, and I need to be telling others more about the gospel. I need to tell, be telling other people more about Jesus than I do right now. Would you just lift up a hand so I could pray for you? Thank you. Hands all over the room. Father, we love you today. I thank you, Lord, you see these hands. Lord, as we come into this election, one of the most important things we can do is we can pray. We need to pray, 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 and pray some more. And then we need to go and vote. And then we need to come back and we need to pray, 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 and pray. Lord, whoever ends up in the White House, Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But Lord, may we say, Lord, whoever ends up there, I'm going to pray for them because they will be our leader. And I need to pray for them. I need to pray that God's will would be done through their life. So, Lord, uh, it's really about us living for you. And, Lord, whatever happens in this time, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen. But, God, you do. And you have a plan. And you're on your throne. And nobody in the White House is in control. Uh, nobody in Congress or the Senate is in control. They may think they're in control. But, Lord, you sit on your throne. And you are in control. And so, Lord, may we just do everything we can do, our part. And, Lord, I pray that, God, you would help us to be, uh, to just as a church, put our hearts and our minds toward, Lord, we're going to pray for our country. We're going to pray for our leaders. And we're going to pray, Lord, for your will to be done. And, God, may we go out from this place and share the gospel with other people, Father God. We ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.